Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Arsaholics. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you're doing well. Uh, just want to quickly say, if you enjoy the episode, hit that thumbs up button and um, please subscribe as well if you haven't already and share with any other Arsenal fans that you know that you think might enjoy uh, hearing us talk about Arsenal. Uh, boys, so no Nero today, unfortunately, but Raj, Aronen, how's it going? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Big weekend, good, man. Good. Derby weekend. Feels like I like... It's kind of come out of nowhere, it feels, a bit as well. I don't know why. Like, it just feels like there hasn't been much build-up. Maybe it's because of the Olympiacos game. Because we're not going, right, I guess. Uh, that's true. For us, like, yeah. We'd normally be going. So, yeah. That's true, because it's like such a... One, I... I was just saying, it's such a day of it, right, whenever we go. We make such a... It's such a big occasion for us. <laughs> like, you know, usually, especially if it's a 4.30 kickoff like it is, we'd be, what, meeting up at 12... Get a bit, get a bit of fried chicken, get some chips, <laughs> get the Victoria probably exactly. Then get in the it rocket. Was like a long time ago that we lost. Last did that now, a long, long time ago actually. Yeah, can't wait. Hopefully soon, eh? Indeed. Mm-hmm. All right. So I guess we're here to talk about uh, last night's game. So Olympiacos in the first leg of the Europa League round of sixteen. Quality result, 3-1 away, three away goals. So happy days. Um, we'll just talk about the team lineup quickly. So um, very strong team. I think we all thought that. Um, don't think he really rested anyone. Obviously, no ESR again. Well, he was on the bench. So Willian started in his place. And centre-back pairing of Louise and Gabriel and Bellerin back into the team as well after a couple of games out at right-back. I think that was pretty much, otherwise, aside from that, pretty much an expected team. Um, anyone upset that Pepe didn't start instead of Willian or, or an alternative to Willian? You guys happy with the lineup? I can see. I can see why we went with Willian, just because... I think Arteta likes the idea of William, right? And we, you know, you, you guys know my feelings about William, but he he likes someone who's technically secure, who can who won't give the ball away, who's not gonna do anything horrendously stupid. And you know, William gives you that technical security. Pepe, you know, he could be brilliant, but then he you know, he runs the risk of just sometimes completely being ineffective. And I you know, I think if Arteta had to choose he would go Willian over Pepe almost every time. He's a pretty conservative coach, isn't he, in that way? Like, it feels like he will play in his big games. He will really try and play his experienced players. Like, he will... And, and with Willian, it feels like he, he's wanted him so badly to be the player that, you know, he has been in the past. Um, and he's willing to just kind of wait that out. But I think the interesting thing for me is with Pepe... Given he didn't start against Burnley, there was the, oh, maybe he's getting rested for Olympiacos. And clearly that wasn't the case, you know? Mm. So clearly there is a genuine preference at the moment in terms of maybe it's the types of teams that we're playing. But, you know, it, it's not a case where, you know, it's it, Pepe is being rested at all. It is very much a Willian gets picked above Pepe at the moment. You know, it's very much that. Yeah. Do you think if ESR is fully fit, he gets picked above William? That's a really good question. Um, I'm going to say yes, he would. Yeah. Um, I uh, yeah, I-, I think he would. But 
I wonder now, say if ESR, given William played quite well and he, he's played you know a few games on the trot quite well, I wonder if he's now kind of just purely out of form. You know, Arteta might feel that he deserves to keep his place. Um, but but I, still, I think ESR is first choice in theory, right? I think he is. Yeah, it's an interesting one, right, Raj? Because I think I remember you saying like, Arteta's like made a call on William and like invested in him saying, mm. yeah, he is a player that I want. And now that he's started to show a little bit of form, I wonder if that's going to be just enough to actually nudge him into becoming you know, our first choice player out on the left over ESR, even though I think ESR is better and we play better with ESR on the team because Arteta is so invested in William and so desperate for him to succeed. Like, this is as good as he's been for us in the mm. six or seven months he's been here. I think he might just stick with it to hope that he comes good. Yeah, and I think I think the other thing that Arteta might look at is ESR's got time on his side, obviously. So yeah. there's not really any, I guess, pressure. Like, he's not an established player. He's not, um, like you said, <clears throat> Williams come on a big contract. Um, there's not really any um, rush to play ESR every game um, so it kind of makes his decision a little bit easier from that from that side of things as well potentially this, this is what kind of frustrates me about the William deal though because you know he he is he's he's old he's he's only going to be here for a maximum of two years right not old but he's older <laughs> anyway he's not 94 but you know um, he you know the, it just feels like such an unnecessary signing for us that because he's now like blocking the path of Pepe, blocking the path of ESR, and you just wonder if there was, it was it a signing that we really needed to make, given given the wages. I know he was free, but given the wages, like he's probably on a fair whack. He's probably what, our top in our top five or six best played players. Um, is it worth that for what he gives us? Given he's also preventing Pepe from getting minutes, potentially preventing ESR from getting minutes, preventing Martinelli from getting minutes. Is all of that worth it for a short-term gamble on Willian finding his form again? I don't really see it as a preventing thing, though, because I do see them as very, very different types of players. So I don't, you know, I think Willian even, let's say they're all playing at their very best. Let's say they're all playing at their very best. They all still are different types of players. And I, I can see a situation for them all to be in the team in a different circumstance. But like, yeah, I guess it, you, going back to the point you made on a free, we do this all the time, right? When there's a player with a big price tag, we're always saying, oh, you know, for that money, he should be doing better. But we always use a price tag when it's high. But when it is a free, we rarely actually kind of use that as a, well, do you know what, to be honest, given we got him on a free, it's actually okay. Like, we, we don't often say stuff like that. I'm not saying we should let Willian off <laughs> all the time for average performances because we got him on a free. But referring to the fact that we signed him and whether that was a good decision or not, we're still getting a very experienced Premier League pro who, on the evidence, hadn't lost any of his engine. He was still running, putting the same sort of fitness levels up as he was previously. And on paper, I didn't think, I'll stand by that, and I know we shouldn't, go over this or, or over and over but i think it, there was rationale to it and you you remember the arteta thing that what william said he said arteta said to me look in three years i want to qualify for the champions league and then i want to win the champions league and i want you to be part of that now uh you know seemingly that's true and that's actually what he said and it's really outlandish and 
clearly we're not going to win the Champions League in a three-year period of William turning up. Um, never say never, mate. Never say never. <laughs> true, true, true. But you know what I would say? So there was clearly a plan. I think a really interesting thing that I read from, I can't remember who I, who I read who mentioned this, was that managers often in times of adversity, they really want to make a statement to fans that, that they will not give in to fan expectations. And often that manifests in a player. And in this instance, it seems like one of these things where Arteta almost knows how the fans feel about William. And he's saying, I'm going to show you that I'm right. And that may be to his detriment sometimes. It, you know, it does feel like he's giving William and he, he's given him a lot more chances that maybe he's given other players. And is he doing that because he's kind of really willing to die on his sword for this player so that he can turn around and say, see, I know what I'm doing. You lot don't. And, you know, uh, and if so, well, I think that's a shame, but it doesn't necessarily mean he's wrong, if that makes sense. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Okay. It's it's yeah. funny though how we could like the moment the moment we mentioned William in a match review. <laughs> or, or to be honest, I think we did. There's so many of our players. I think you just have such long discussions over, isn't it? We just sidetrack the review to talk about them all the time. Yeah. Let's so let's go back to the game then. Um, <clears throat> so uh, so Erdegaard actually opened the scoring. I think it was about the 33rd minute, um, having missed a really good chance in the first couple of minutes. Uh, a really, really good chance, actually. Um, he looked a little bit kind of... He looked a little bit off it um, up until that point, up until that goal. I felt it was a little bit sloppy, but he was still having an all right game. Um, but the goal the goal itself, obviously, was a fantastic strike. I think, Raj, you tweeted about the keeper looking like he'd been electrocuted as the guy, as the ball went past him, <laughs> which is a good description. I said he looked like a fish, like a fish out of water. Like, Yeah. Uh, so it was funny. It was funny. Um, yeah, it was a fantastic strike. It was really good pressing, actually, from the team. Bellerin down the right, I think Saka, really, really pressing high up the pitch and basically winning the ball back. And then Partey, um, first-time ball into Erdegaard and obviously just sort of, um, well, kind of ambled his way towards goal. But um, shot was on, took it. Um, hit it straight past the keeper. Do you think if that goes in against us, you'd be looking at Leno or whoever's in goal for us and saying, yeah, keeper should save that one? Probably, but but that would probably be unfair as well. Like, it was a rocket shot. It really it was 60 miles an hour or whatever. To be honest, I'm saying 60 miles an hour like I know the average speed of other shots. It's just that they made a massive point about it being 60 miles an hour. Yeah, exactly. It was your mate, was your mate Martin Keona. Oh, okay, do you know what? Do you know what? Forget my point then. I completely <laughs> ignore what I said. No, uh, I thought it was fun. Do you know what? Do you know what the thing is, what I loved about that goal was like, I was thinking about this the other day as to... What is it about Arsenal that bothered me at the moment? Because there's lots of great stuff that I like about Arsenal. And obviously the points tally isn't, you know, I don't enjoy that. But I thought about it and I think the, it, I get memories of, of the Arsene Wenger days, you know, towards the latter years where we kept on trying to score the perfect goal. And there was a very kind of, it was always about scoring specific types of goal. It was a real commitment to the choreography, a real commitment to the style and it's felt like that to me a little bit recently with us that we are trying to score very, very coached goals, like constantly. Mm. And what I loved about the old Odegaard goal, it kind of almost kick-started this trend in the game where everyone just went, Do you know what? Forget this. Like, 
and they just did things off script because Odegaard, you could almost see it in his face. It wasn't working out the first however many minutes before he scored. It just wasn't coming off. And he kind of got the ball. There wasn't any movement. And he went, do you know what? Bang. Do you know what I mean? It was just like this completely off script. No one expected it. None of our players seemed to have expected it. The goalkeeper certainly didn't expect it. And then suddenly everyone was like, okay. And then and actually, when you look at our next two goals as well, they're completely off script goals, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I disagree with you a bit that I think if we had conceded that, I would have been very annoyed with Leno. Mm, because it, it's not like it it's not it did dip and bend a tiny bit, but it was literally on top of him. All he had to do was, you know, stick his arm up. <laughs> he probably would have saved it if he didn't do that weird, you know, diving fish motion that he did. Like, it's, it's almost like he dived to make it more difficult for himself. And that made him not get to the ball. Because I think if he, you know, if he just does a normal jump and you know, he tips it over the bar, and I think most keepers tip that one over the bar. But, you know, I don't, I'm not going to be too upset about it. But, yeah, I think... Keeper should have definitely done better there, but hey. But wasn't it? Okay. Wasn't the trajectory quite tricky? Because you know, it wasn't just kind of like a straight line bullet either. There was a kind of natural little dip and curvature at the end, a little bit of swerve, and it felt like it was just one of those. I know, I know what you mean. It was almost directly above the keeper's head, but in a way, it was sort of harder in that way because it feels like if it was a bit to his side or a bit to the other side, you know, he can naturally jump on more. But it was, it was a bit. You know, the, the swerve, the whatever, just made it, put him in a really weird position. And, and I guess, it you know, it showed, you just look, as I said, you know, looked like a fish, looked like he was electrocuted. <laughs> but, um, yeah, fair, fair enough, mate. I mean, I know what you mean. Like, if 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 you if it's your keeper that concedes a goal that's just above his head, then fair enough. Like, um, I think it was just, I think as Arsenal fans, we're not used to seeing our players score long-range goals generally mm. as a percentage, are we? Right. Um, and I think even this season, there's been times where we've had players trying to score from range. Partey does it quite a few times, and it's yeah. like, this is not our game, clearly. And that was just nice, right? Because it was just like, really, like, so much conviction. It took out, yeah, a lot of frustration on the ball, I think. Just put mm. his foot through it, yeah. Yeah, and it was, it was a good goal from an Arsenal perspective, I guess. Um, so, yeah, at least it was, again, a game where we um, we dominated the first half, got the goal... Um, and then leading up to the leading up to half time, there was a, obviously a big mistake that almost cost us a goal from David Luiz. Well, David Luiz slash slash Leno. Um, what do you guys think? Do you think that's one that Leno should be hitting long or making another pass, or do you think Luiz should be looking to do something different than what he did? I mean, I don't remember it exactly, but from what I do remember about it, I feel like Luiz. It's a combination of both. I think. Leno played it to Louise, not in the best position, but then I feel like Louise had enough time on the ball there to do something decent with it. But then he decided to go back inside and he just messed up the execution. And yeah, it, it almost cost us then. And obviously it did a couple of minutes later, right? Yeah, I think I kind of agree with that. I, I think Louise was firmly to blame for that potential error because you know, he, he sort of takes the ball and then he turns around, doesn't he? He yeah. kind of turns around and he goes, and it was just a bit of a weird decision by him. He, he certainly didn't need to do that. And it was it was a lot, you know, Xhaka's mistake against Burnley was a lot harder. Like it was, you know, it was a it was a tougher situation for Xhaka to navigate. This was, Luis didn't, you know, really didn't need to do that. Um, 
but yeah, as you say, mate, I think I'm a massive Leno defender. Uh, and even I would probably say in the Olympiakos goal, there are a lot better options that Leno could have taken than pass it to Ceballos in that situation. Um, mm. You know, that was not a good idea. No. I wonder, I know it's funny. So if you look at the goal, um, it was actually Louise who was free on Leno's right-hand side. I wonder if the incident before had just yeah. freaked him out a bit and he was like, well, I'll pass it to him. He messed but he, he up. He was in loads of space there, wasn't he? He was it wasn't in like, of space. He was in loads of space, yeah. yeah. And I think Gabriel was through on the other side as well. He had options left and right, Leno, for the goal. So this is just after Sobias has come on, obviously, for Thomas Partey. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think the fault for that one has to go to Leno. I think I'm, I'm quite similar to you, Raj. Like, I really, really like Leno. I really rate him and um, generally don't have too many bad things to say about him because he saved us a lot in the last couple of years. But, <clears throat> I mean... You could argue, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. You could argue that that's, I mean, the Louise one in the first half, okay, probably is more Louise's mistake. But again, it's one of those where, yes, the strategy is to play out from the back, but there's certain times when you just don't do that or you make a decision. Like Nero said to us, you know, you play you play the situation. And again, in the Burnley game, okay, Jacques's fault, but could Leno have maybe made a different decision? This is the third one now, which is getting a little bit concerning because this one definitely was was Leno's fault. And the other thing I no- noticed about the goal, uh, about the Olympiakos goal, was his positioning. Like I don't know if you guys noticed this, but he was like, I think he gets the ball back from um, Gabriel and he's in a really odd position. Like he's outside the box, but he's like mm. on one side of the one side of the box, like to one side of the goal. <clears throat> So when the Olympiacos player eventually gets the ball, he's obviously got like half the goal to aim at. It's quite it's a good finish, but it's not too not too difficult. Um, and I thought it was really odd positioning. Like he's not central to the goal at all, and there's not really any reason for him not to be central. So I think just all round, it was just very strange from from uh, Leno. Yeah, I think your positioning point's a fair one. I didn't pick up on that, um, but you know, certainly he just looked in a right mess. <laughs> you know? um, the the thing is, I you know I strongly feel that in training Arteta has drilled them to the point where he has he has tried to explain to them the benefits of of taking the ball in these really tight situations and drawing in the press and being able to beat the press and the advantage it then creates. Mm. And I think that situation is probably the epitome of a situation where in Arteta's mind if you can beat the press like that all of a sudden you've taken out two players and that's probably the sorts of things that he really wants us to be able to do but at the same time I do wonder sometimes whether some of the tactics and some of the things that Arteta is trying to get us to do are the sorts of things that only really elite teams can do Mm. and sometimes we can pull some of it off but sometimes we're going to make mistakes. And I think this was an example like Ceballos is not Luka Modric. (laughs) He's probably not going to be able to pull that off. Um, You know, he's not Thomas Partey, but, you know. Sorry, Raj, are you saying that Arteta has coached Leonard to play that pass to Ceballos? I mean, I wouldn't go as far as prescriptively say that he would have told Leno in that position, that's always a pass you've got to make. But at the same time, I would think that what he's done is he's encouraged us to play certain patterns. And I think that in a situation like that, 
it was very, very possible that Sabios had also put him in a situation. I don't. I didn't see the call whether he did call for it or not, but it didn't seem like Sabios didn't want the ball. If that made sense, and if we're able to beat the press in that situation which I've seen us do a number of times, try and take the ball in situations where we're being pressed and kind of take a couple of plays out the game and then it creates a lot of space. I think in a very similar way, actually, when we scored against Burnley, the Aubameyang goal, it was actually quite similar, where I think Partey was able to take a bunch of players out of the game. Yeah, yeah. And and I wonder, I'm, look, I'm hypothesising here, but I think whatever the case, maybe I'm being a bit biased because I, I like to defend Leno and to be honest... I think ultimately it was the wrong decision to pass it there. Um, and yeah, it's interesting because I didn't pick up on on that either, Aaron, and what you mentioned about maybe it was a case where he thought if I pass, pass Louise, has Louise got that incident out of his head yet? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, but it's, I think yeah, what, go on. No, what annoys me about like the analysis of like us playing out from the back is, you know, when we get it wrong, which we did, yesterday which we did against Burnley like the lazy analysis is, is to say just go long yeah that's not just playing out from the back if you pick it like, it's a wrong pass it's a it's an error right it's a defensive error when you pick a wrong pass it doesn't mean the whole concept of playing out from the back is wrong completely like, agree Leno had three options um on yesterday and he probably had a couple more options on Sunday as well and it didn't mean that it doesn't defeat the whole purpose of this whole system of playing out from the back because nine times out of 10, actually the player, either Leno makes a good pass or Leno potentially does make a bad pass, but the defender on the ball is good enough to get himself out of trouble and actually beat a man. And then we have an advantage going forward. So the the analysis, I know Keon did it and like I've seen a lot of people say, stop playing out from the back, stop playing out from the back. But it takes me back to when Pep first arrived at City they did this a lot and they kept giving the ball away. Now and they lost games and they lost, they lost games easy games. They were giving the ball away. Now Pep's solution was to go and buy 200 million pounds worth of defenders who can pass the ball, right? Yeah. Like we haven't got that. We haven't got that solution available to us. And I think even when Klopp, Klopp arrived, Liverpool kept giving the ball away in silly areas because these players just weren't used to like defenders, left backs, centre backs who weren't used to beating a man and taking them on. So, it is a work in progress, but the worst thing we can do now is to start going long because we don't trust the process. If we start doing that, it's just going to take us, yeah, it'll be one step forward and two steps back. And it's kind, of, it's kind of, yeah, I agree. And it's kind of what Raj said as well around like the personnel. Like if this is what Arteta's, he wants his team to do and he's trying to implement that, but if he hasn't got the right players to do that, use Tobias as the example because he's the one who made the mistake yesterday. Um, until those players, he gets those players in, like Partey is one. Um, if Xhaka gets replaced, you know, we've talked about that a few times, then it's obviously going to become a bit more successful. Um, so I think that's the key thing, isn't it, really? The personnel um, isn't isn't really there. And if you look at the yeah. players that have made those mistakes in the last few games, the Xhaka one and the Savias one, that tells you everything about where we might need to strengthen in the summer. Yeah, it's a shame um, Nero isn't here, right? Because... I actually think you could ask a legitimate question on if... I think as goalkeepers, Leno and Martinez are both fairly equal in terms of their shot-stopping ability, how they appear in the box. But I think Martinez was considerably better playing the ball from his feet than Leno is. Um, And I know 
and I don't want to go back to like Elena versus Martinez debate, but I wonder if, you know, if Arteta values playing out from the back, you really need a goalkeeper like Pep has with Edison, who is totally comfortable on the ball. And Leno is Leno isn't bad on the ball, right? But I thought it was very, very clear that Martinez was a better ball player. And I wonder how much that was considered. Because if we're going to bank on Leno being the person that essentially starts off our attacks, like has he got the skill set and the ability on the ball to really be dependent on going forward and playing out from the back regularly? Or is he prone to just making these mistakes because he's just not good enough with his feet? It's interesting because I, I never picked up on it to that. I never thought that Martinez stood out as a much better distributor, Same. you know, being on the ball. But it would make sense in this, in, even in the sense that a guy who's been at Arsenal since he was 19 years old, a goalkeeper has been at Arsenal, he, he's probably had a fair amount of training around distribution yeah. and being on the ball. So it would make sense. I think, you know, just going back to, you, you talked about Pep and you talked about, kind of you know the what was happening at city at the beginning that's a really good point because i just remembered i don't know if you recall when he assigned john stones and city had been conceding a number of goals and i think he got asked in a interview oh you know john stones is he is he any, you know where's the effective is he disappointing you or whatever and, and and he basically said it is really hard to play center back for me from what i expect you to do it is seriously hard like so back off basically right and and you you know your point is he could pep can solve his problems by signing 50 million after 50 million after 50 million pound player to get him to do what he is what he needs but i think you know i think the point rings true to play these kinds of tactics it is very 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 hard and john stones has taken a number of years to actually get to a point where he's sort of able to do it and um and equally i, I just, you know what what clicked in my mind as well is do you remember when emery took over and he started playing out from the back like it was like a religious playing out from the back thing and do you remember was it Allardyce or someone who who said something or the other with like he 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 dismissed it he said something about how it was nonsense or something and then Gary Neville in that sky in on a Monday night football just basically shot it down and just said listen Unai Emery's not building a side to beat relegation he's building a side to play in the top 4 so these are the things that those kinds of teams do like you know and it's going to take time and you know again i i would i would go back to i think it's something that we have talked about many times in the past perhaps not on this show is about having tactics with a high ceiling mm. you know and i think arteta knows he's like for us to get to the ceiling that i need us to get to which is winning big trophies however long that might take i need to implement tactics which are sustainable to do that and you, you know, yes, maybe it is a problem that we don't have all the players that were able to execute that in a, in a great way. But I, yeah, like whether it's whether it's a case, even with Leno, I think all the players are going to take a little bit of time to get used to it to a certain degree. Leno's still pretty young as well. Mm. He's not old for a keeper. I think was he twenty eight oh, years old? Twenty eight? Is that twenty eight? Yeah. Yes, yeah, so he's got you know eight years, maybe let's just say eight years. No, I, I totally agree. It's a high-risk, high-reward tactic. Hmm. The problem is when you get it wrong, you just look incredibly stupid. Because Rubbish, don't you? Yeah. you? Things like that. And it's just, it's. I don't know if it's bad luck or just we've made two errors where we look incredibly stupid doing things like that. It's the same way that, you know, Liverpool this season, and 
to a certain extent last season have played that ridiculously high line. And, you know, Klopp said, look, I play this high line because I want my players far higher up the pitch and the, the gaps between like midfield defence and like up front to be smaller so we can pass it quicker. And he goes, the downside of that is that teams will get in behind us, but then I'm just banking on Alisson to save it. He said that. This was about the Arsenal game, wasn't it? I think he said this recently. Yeah. It was and, really interesting. Yeah, and you know, it is it is a risk, right? But to be a top team, you have to take, you know, we, it's quite funny. Like We always have a go and say Arteta's too conservative, too, like doesn't take enough risk. But he's taking a huge risk sticking with this strategy of building attacks from the back because... There is a risk that we don't have the players to do it. There is a risk that, especially with our defenders, that they will get it wrong. But if you don't take that risk, you, you're never going to progress as a team. And hopefully, you know, this is a season where we can afford to make those mistakes because, let's be honest, we're not going to do anything that meaningful in the league. I mean, yes, in the Europa League, we don't really want to be doing that. So I can kind of say, look, let's take the season, let's make the mistakes, let's learn from the errors, and then hope that by next season we've got a system and a way of playing that we can really build upon. Completely. Completely. I, I think to that point about next season, if we think about the squad building that's happened so far, it has been very much from the back, hasn't it? So, you know, we've bought a bunch of defenders. We've bought a defensive midfielder. We've got Odegaard on loan and William was the only attacking signing. He was free. So, it's going to be interesting this window if Arteta is now looking at, okay, what are the offensive players I need who can do Project Arteta? Hmm. Um, and and I wonder whether actually, you know, similarly there are, are, are what that means for Ceballos actually in the long term as well. Like whether he thinks I've invested a, a year and a bit on Ceballos. Maybe he's the guy who's worth us trying to, you know, prize out of Real Madrid. Personally, at this point, I'd probably be a bit disappointed. I think Sabahs has flashes, but I'm not sure. You know, he's he's really he, he he's the one that we we need, or he's good enough. Um, but um, yeah, no, I mean, we could we could go on about that. Like, and I think that the important thing that we did this game is we made the mistake irrelevant, mm. which is what big teams do. Like, I you know they do right. Like all these big teams, I think there's this there's this fallacy that. You know, with us, we make these mistakes, we concede goals, and and then we get really hung up on it, and it's fair because we don't go on to win those games. Uh, but big teams, they they do make mistakes, but you never talk about them because they make them irrelevant. And that's what we did this time, right? We we made this, it irrelevant this time. Yeah, this time this we time. did. Um, yeah. yeah. So I mean, just before we actually got our uh, second goal, the Gabriel goal, Olympiacos had a really another really good chance. If you guys remember that. Um, Ball came across for, across the uh, pullback, yes. and then yeah, I think it was blocked actually by Bellerin. Um, yeah, because he went Bellerin for a corner. Yeah, so yeah, and I think we looked a bit all over the place after that we conceded. So the timing of the goal and the fact that we even managed to get a goal was was uh, very very welcome. Um, so yeah, short corner, Willian, that guy, Willian, another assist. Uh, I think that's four in four. Is it for him? Uh, Aaron, you described it as a jammy assist. Is that on the ba- is that on the basis that it was an amazing header and an amazing leap? Yeah, it was, a, it was so a much hate. It was a ridiculously good header. Where's Nero? We need Nero for <laughs> so much. Yeah, no. I'll, go, I'll play the Nero role. My point was that <laughs> nine times out of ten, 
if William plays that exact cross, everyone gets annoyed at him because it's a terrible cross. You think, Ooh, why has he hit it so high? Harsh. Not ter- okay, not terrible cross, but <laughs> it's a bad cross. I don't think I exactly. I think if he can make contact, I think if the player can make contact, it's not a bad cross. It's just not necessarily a really good cross. Okay, yeah, it's not a bad cross, but it's not a good cross. It's, and well, you know, obviously by the letter of the law, <laughs> fantasy football. It's, it's not just fantasy football. It's not just like a technical. This is what yeah. this used to stop. It's not this technicality. It's a, it's just, it's an assist. He crossed the ball. The guy headed it. It went in. It's an assist. Okay. It, it's not an Saka, accident. If Saka had crossed that, I don't think you'd be saying the same thing. To be fair, he's definitely bullying, bullying and targeting. No, no. But all, all I'm saying is that, like, there are moments like that. It's like you know, whoever when Henri ran past like 15 players against Spurs, right? No one remembers who gave him that assist. Like you don't say that was a good assist to Henri when just even though he just ran past Farrod, like, he ran he ran the whole pitch. What are you talking? How is this a comparison? But your it's definition is an assist, right? Um, yeah, but my mate, point it, is that the, the, the what made it good? The finish was what made it right. The finish, Gabriel. It was, well, no, let's let's put it like this. Let's, let's, let's put it this way. You know, we've what? Uh, well, recent games are going to say the whole season. We've complained about our set pieces especially corners for like yeah the whole season there's been so many crap corners that have come in where they've just hit the first man we've tried this weird short corner and it's ended up going back to like whoever's covering at the back so to be fair if you compare if you compare it to that level of crossing and that level of set piece yeah you know actually um, yeah it, it was a very good set piece because if you watch gabriel's run he waits and yeah, he runs in from deep, doesn't he? Yeah. I'll give William the benefit of doubt. It looks like it was planned. And I think that perhaps, you know, he knew what he was doing. He knew Gabriel was going to be there. I still think the cross was a bit high. And, you know, thanks to Gabriel, like it was a it was a world-class header. And like the distance and the placement he got on that was fantastic. Hmm. Um, so I think we should be talking more about the header. It's your fault that we're not. It's your <laughs> fault that we're not. <laughs> It was a great header. <laughs> it was a really good header. It was a great leap, wasn't it? And uh, I was a bit worried that we were going to disallow it because it's just our luck. But because it was too good, sense. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't look that fair. Was... Uh, it's third goal, I believe, for Gabriel this season. So um, popping up with a few, which is useful. Uh, They've all been headers, haven't they? All three have been headers. Can't even remember because it's Fulham. Fulham first oh, game Fulham. header. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um. I remember the second one. Um, that was it by William as well, I think. Yeah, no, the other the other <laughs> header he King. scored, I want to say it was Southampton. It was a game where I think we went a goal down, we got back into it, we were all excited. Always Wolves, one of those games. The home it was at home. But it was like a thumping header. Um and yeah, and this one. I mean, it was a world class header, like whatever said and done. But I think what was world class about it wasn't just the fact that he made contact <laughs> yeah and it went in like you say it was the the distance and the dip and it was just like the most perfectly placed header you know and he spun in the air and he just got so much so much angulation um you know in fairness like diallo scored a really good go- that's his surname isn't it the new guy yeah Ahmed Diallo. He, he he scored an excellent header as well so i think there were two excellent headers in the, in the is that the united goals i haven't seen it yeah. yeah it was it was quality it was, it, yeah but you know that that was this was a well yeah one of the best headers i can remember from an arsenal player 
Yeah, definitely. So uh, we had about 10 minutes to go, I think. So looking like a decent result. Um, then there was a triple substitution. Um, and we thought it was a, we thought it was just one sub coming on, and we looked at it and we thought, what is Arteta doing? El Neni coming on? What's going on? You know, got ten minutes left. Let's try and get the, another goal and almost kill the tie. But um, yeah, a triple substitution. So Pepe, Smith Rowe, and El Neni coming on. Um, a few minutes to go. He receives the ball quite deep. Pretty much doesn't get pressed. No one, no one comes forward to try and do anything to him, and he's just in all this space, and he almost, <clears throat> almost thinks, you know, screw it, I'm just gonna hit it and see what happens. But wow, wasn't expecting that. But he has got, he's done it a couple of times, hasn't he, for us? Um, long range goals, um, fantastic strike hit. When you watch it from, when you watch the um, replay, the angle from behind, you see how he kind of cuts across the ball. You can see the ball move away from the keeper because you think the keeper might save it, but I think he gets hand onto it. But oh, it's, it's really, really, really nice goal. Really lovely strike. Yeah, well, it, it, Arteta made some interesting comments, didn't he? He basically said that El Nenny's been specifically working on long range shooting with Steve Round in, um, you know, in training, and obviously Did he that, say that is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't see that. All right. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so, I mean, if you know, if that is the case, and if he's specifically tried to improve his game in that respect, then you know, fair play to him. Um, or is he just saying that because he scored? Uh, maybe. I just, can't, I just can't believe. Like, what situation yeah, do you think? Yeah. You know, the player we need to work on long distance. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably because he's. Oh yeah. Like, if anything, you got to get Partey shooting better, but not. Yeah. Not. Then, what situation do you think that's going to be relevant? <laughs> I can't believe that. I'm sorry. I don't believe it. I was quite surprised when you said that. Yeah. I thought you guys were winding me up. No, he did say it. Yeah. He, no, I didn't. I didn't hear. He even it. specifically said the coach, didn't he? He was like Steve Round. <laughs> He's been working with Steve Round on this. Like it's it's really interesting, yeah. I mean, but you like you say he's like, he's kind of had it in his locker, like. And you remember that goal he scored against Barcelona that was out of nowhere, and we're like, who is yeah. who is this guy? And then uh, there was another one this season, wasn't there? I think he scored another good goal this season, I think. But mm. um, yeah, but do you know what was it? What do you guys feel about like bringing on three subs like that? Like what 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 goes through your mind? Or what? Okay, better question. What went through your mind when you saw three subs coming on? I like it. Um, I like the fact that in the Europa League, the fact well, it's five subs in the Europa League, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it just gives you so much, and it, it's a bit of an advantage because we are a bigger team than Olympiacos, right? And we have players on the bench that can do something. You know, we have the potential of basically changing half our team in the space of a couple of minutes. And I think three players. I can't remember who else we brought on. Was it Elneny, Smith Rowe, and Pepe? Pepe. 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 Yeah, yeah. Pepe. Like that's quite a big change for the defenders to to just deal with. I know, like Elneny was the one that Elneny one Elneny's probably the one that should worry you the least. But like for the defenders, just dealing with Smith Rowe and Pepe coming on, it's just a complete mentality shift in how you've been defending. And I think it's really, really powerful. I completely agree. I, I think exactly the same thing. I, I think it particularly suits. I think bigger sides with better squads. Because, yep. like you say, like in a moment you bring on three players, you fundamentally change the the tactical approach and completely give yeah, defenders completely something different to think about. Sometimes, like I worry that it it really would impact the, the you know if things are going okay, then it really kind of uh, throws a spanner in the works and kind of stops the the flow a bit. And you know, but 
I think it, it's a perfect situation of yesterday. I think things were getting a bit stale. Hmm. Yeah. And when you can just make three changes of good players, like, you know, to come on, then, yeah, like it's, it's really have powerful. have two subs to and also bring on after that. Still have two subs. Very powerful. Like I say, powerful is the right word. Yeah. So, yeah, finish 3 1. Um, really, really good result. Uh, and what do you guys think then for the second leg in terms of. Do you think we're through? Do you think we've got obviously got to think about last season and what happened against Olympiacos? I think we won the first leg 2 1 in that game, didn't we? Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts going into the second leg now on the back of that result? Again, I would be very, very upset if we went out. They've got to score three, haven't they? So, yeah, without us doing anything. It'll be a catastrophe if that happens or we get anywhere close to that happening, right? Yeah, I think if we if we play our game, we win it at home and it should be comfortable, but <laughs> who knows with us? It won't happen. Like, like, no, I know anything can happen, but we, for all our defensive errors, we rarely concede more than one goal. Um, we, you know, rarely lose by more than one goal. And mm. how many times have we conceded more than one goal this season. We conceded three goals against Aston Villa at the beginning. We conceded, I think, a couple of goals to Liverpool. We conceded a, a couple of goals against Leeds. Um, but in all those occasions, apart from the Villa game, um, you know, if those score lines were maintained, we'd have gone through. We'd go through. So um, I, I can't see it. I think it's a fantastic score line because it just means that there's no need to rest anyone against Spurs. Mm. Play the play the fittest team. Play play you play. Think- you think he'll rest? You think he'll rest people for the second leg? No, I think that what he can do, what this gives him a license to do, is play his very best team against uh, against Spurs. And in the event that someone looks tired in training afterwards, in the event someone picks up a knock, it's not the end of the world. But before he would have thought, just in case you know if someone gets injured, he probably shouldn't play them against Tottenham. Um, so now he doesn't have to think about that at all. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd agree with that. So, yeah, really positive result. Um, fingers crossed we don't cock it up in the second leg. But I think we'll talk more about the second leg when we come to uh, review the Spurs game in a few days' time. But just one other thing then. Um, so, Erdegaard was the player that one of, or the player that came out to do the post-match interview. He sounded, um, I think I've heard him talk a couple of times, but he sounded very, um, just like a very humble guy, quite down to earth, which was nice. Um, considering that he's come from Real Madrid and obviously he's been a big player since he was a teenager. Um, Martin Keown's comments uh, following his interview were quite interesting. I think he said, I've got it here. So the spotlight has been on him since he was a 16-year-old kid who went to Real Madrid. Maybe he should be a little bit more willing to talk about himself. It's about him now. The goal, This goal should elevate him now, lift him, give him the confidence he needs to express himself. He talks about being frightened of making mistakes. That's the wrong attitude. I thought it was quite interesting because we talked about Martin Kieran a couple of times and some of the things that he's said, obviously does our Europa League games uh, and probably some of our Premier League games as well, actually, on uh, BT Sport. I thought it was just a really, really odd thing to say. And it kind of tallies up with what you've been saying, Raj, over the last few weeks or since we've been doing this podcast. You know, um, he's been made some really odd comments about Erdegaard blocking ESR's development and game time. Which hasn't happened really. It hasn't happened at all. They've been playing together. Hasn't happened until at all. So I got injured. Yeah. Uh, what, what you, I mean, I'm, yeah. What were your thoughts on, on that really, and what Kieran was saying? You said the word odd. It's odd. 
It's just odd. It's like what? It, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just it's it's almost slightly disturbing. Like it's you couldn't have given the question that he was asked. I think was effectively saying. Well, you know, really good performance by Odegaard. It was worse the effective. He's been playing quite well recently, hasn't he? It was a positive question, right? To reflect on something positive. Yet he he found a way to come out with the most offbeat negative angle. He should be talking about himself. What is that? <laughs> what? Like, yeah. what, stop for a second. Like, what does that even mean? Why should he be talking about himself? What? I, honestly, I, I, he's got a bit I, of an agenda honestly, for some reason. He, I don't know what it is. Of course, he has. He's he's got an ES, He's an ESR fan, and or just because he's a British player, I don't know what it is. There's something, yeah, really, really odd about it. It's pathetic, uh, mate. Like it's pathetic. I've lost so much respect for him out of this because it's like part of me. If I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt, then it's as simple as just you know he's. He said from the start that okay, ESR, I want him playing as number ten, and you know, it, and, and maybe it's just because he really wants that to happen, um, and he thinks that Odegaard's going to leave at the end of the season, and you know, if that means ESR isn't played through the centre, then that'll impede his development. Whatever. Anyway, that's nonsense. Okay, that he's trying to double down on something that's nonsense, and I will never forget the whole thing that he said about you know against Benfica, the Odegaard experiment. It's not something that we have time for. I mean, that's just nonsense you can't say nonsense things like that and respect <laughs> and expect respect from fans like and again you know what like let's just leave it at the well from my perspective his his comments that you just recap mize i think it says it all it speaks volumes he couldn't even be positive on a night when odegaard scored a banger Played very well after he scored that banger, by the way. Played very well. We win the game. It's a positively spun question as well. And he had to to come out with stuff like that? Oh, come on. Give me a break. Yeah, I like this just... new weekly segment, right? Raj on Martin <laughs> Keogh. It's, <laughs> it's, it's really good. <laughs> Honestly, that guy. It is baffling, isn't it? It is a bit baffling. But, uh, well, anyway... Got the result, got the three away goals. So let's see what happens in the second leg uh, next week. Fingers crossed. Yeah, like I said, we don't we don't mess it up. We shouldn't, but you just never know. Um, all right, brilliant, boys. Uh, we will see everyone again to preview the Spurs game. Uh, huge, huge, huge game. So looking forward to that one. But otherwise, thanks everyone for tuning in and listening. We really, really appreciate it. And we will catch you next time. Bye. Thank you. Bye.